Being a gentleman is a little bit, actually probably a whole lot different than it was, uh, say, 100 years ago. The main difference, I believe, is just a will to do the right thing is a way to describe a gentleman from 100 years ago. I think uh, with the gentleman's handshake, uh, with the gentleman's agreement, uh, honor codes in school, there was a will to do the right thing. And that was a very integral part about being a gentleman. Um, today, it's more about how you dress, whether you open the door for a lady, or uh, perhaps whether you take turns in a conversation. Very basic ideas of what a gentleman means compared to what it was a century ago. Uh, for me, a gentleman is somebody who wants to present himself well, but in an honest way, and in a way that he's not afraid to show his idiosyncrasies. Maybe he likes vintage. Um, maybe he likes strange glasses. You know, maybe he prefers a bow tie. I mean, and if he does, having the courage to present himself that way as he is. And so that's one part of it. And then the next part is returning to that desire to do the right thing in everything that he does. So that fusion of how you present yourself and how you behave, to me, is what a gentleman is in these days. If you think about someone you know that's just the opposite of someone who serves, someone who is so proud of the way he looks that he is constantly displaying himself to the point where no one else is included. He's constantly looking for those likes, those hearts, those thumbs up, but he's not giving them back to other people. Now, this is a very shallow uh, way to approach the subject. He's not serving others. He's taking. So I think that there's a void in this business, and there's a danger in getting lost too much and yourself, and forgetting about other people. Well, say you're broke. You really don't have money to go get a bespoke suit. Maybe you're in, uh, even, and you're just, you're 30, say, and, and you really, you're trying to support kids, you, your wife, a lot of stuff going on, your job, you know, things in the community, and you don't know where to start. So I would say you go to a place like Suit Supply or Boji, which are really nice level clothes that you would pay for junk somewhere else if you use the same amount of money. And that's a good place to start with one of these places. And maybe for shoes, you look for Spanish uh, maker of shoes, which is very nice, but you're paying a fraction of the price than you would in a lot of other places that have fine shoes, like Carmina, for example. Excellent place for your first pair of shoes. Merman as well, which is affiliated with Carmina, and that's really when you're starting out and you're willing to break in those shoes because those merman shoes can be tough to break in, but they can still be beautiful. If you get a suit, maybe one suit with the best, and you have one nice pair of shoes, you can really mix it up with, you know, sometimes leaving the jacket on the chair and just wearing your vest, wearing several different ties, sometimes wearing braces or suspenders. Uh, there's a lot of things you do, different pocket squares. There's a lot of things you can do with just one suit and a vest or a waistcoat, as the English like to call it. Well, asking one to stare you on style is a very uh, unique question because each person may have a different answer. 
course, we know that in France, uh, they're all about couture and the woman, and, and that's sort of translated over uh, to the men. You know, they, you have a very defined shoulder and very strong silhouette. And uh, it almost uh, is like when you walk into a room, you have something to say. Uh, the English, you know, they're more, uh, I would say, discreet. They don't want to make a big bang when they walk into a room, but they want to be respected. And their silhouettes still pretty close to the body and um, very defined, uh, not the big rope shoulder, but a nicely cut shoulder. Uh, you can see a lot of images just by going on the internet and comparing the French and the English. Oh, the Italians are uh, an animal all their own. And uh, the interesting thing about Italians is you can't just say, this is what an Italian suit looks like, because the northern Italians are living in a more colder environment, so they're wearing the more structured suits, which may look a little more uh, English, Roman. When I say that, it's just more, a little more padding in the shoulder, a little more structure overall in the suit, a little less swing, more serious look. But as you go south in the warmer climates of Italy, this is where you're really getting into an interesting style for suiting, and that's what many already know as a Neapolitan suit, um, which hails from Naples, Italy. And this situation, you're seeing um, the patch pockets, you're seeing the bakuta uh, pocket, which looks like a, a boat on the chest pocket. Um, you're seeing kissing buttons here that overlap. Um, a lot of seam darts that go all the way down below the pocket. And of course, the soft shoulder, which is uh, called a shirt, shirt shoulder, where the fabric is sewn up under um, the, the, the material on top of the shoulder, which gives a lot of shearing and just a beautiful, soft look. And it's a sort of an addictive look for a lot of people once they experience that Italian uh, tailoring because it's very easy wear, very comfortable, and super stylish. The Italians uh, definitely have an emotional type of approach to life. And I think that is reflected in the clothing that they're wearing. Uh, they're very effervescent. They value family. And a lot of times if you overhear a conversation in an Italian family, you'll think they're having a fight. They're not. They're just having a discussion. Uh, so you do see a lot of the, the commonality between the personality of the Italians and the way they choose to dress. Americans, as you know, are very Ivy League Brooks Brothers wearing the loose jackets and um, more of a gritty professor style. You see a lot of the elbow pads, and, and it's just more of a swing style. And you know what? That's coming back, which is strange, because for so long that mm, tight, you know, silhouette and just strong, clean appearance was the thing. And now it's more like the swing look with the old Ivy League Americans. So it changes, you know, three years, five years from now, it'll be something else. It's a very fascinating thing to follow style. But finding your own style is really what it's all about. You don't have to worry about what the French and English and Americans are doing. You need to like really turn into yourself and ask yourself, what do you like? The subject of comfort's an interesting um, subject as well because... 
To some people, they're very tactile sensitive and comfort is raining over everything. And so they're just going to want to put on what they feel good in. But you could talk to another man across the street and he's not so concerned about comfort. He just wants to look great. He wants to get the date. He wants to get the promotion. He wants to get the attention. And comfort's not really on his radar anywhere. So it really depends on what's important to you. The way you determine which style is yours, whether it's American, English, Italian, Parisian, is ask yourself, uh, first of all, which type of style you like. Do you like destructured, comfortable suits or do you like to really you know command the room if you like the more comfortable suits you want to go with american or italian style southern italian remember northern italian is a little different if you like to command the room you want to go with more of a parisian or northern italian style so it really depends on what you want to say when you walk into a room what you can do once you have your core suit together, which would uh, be comprised of jacket, trousers, maybe a waistcoat. But once you have the suit itself, shoes, a few pair of socks, you're going to want to move to the accessories, of course. The most obvious is the necktie. So with the necktie, uh, I suggest that you get one really nice solid, maybe uh, in a blue, dark blue, you get a regimental a striped tie. Make sure that it doesn't violate any uh, university rules. Uh, you know, some of the prep schools have very strict regimental looking ties, so you don't want to copy that because that's very offensive to some of these schools. Um, and you also want to get some kind of uh, either dots or paisley or some type of motif that pleases you. So that's three ties straight away. Uh, the next thing you want to do is get a pocket square. One thing that most men like to do is have a, just a white linen pocket square or any type of white fabric pocket square that they can fold um, and put in their pocket. And there's many different options of how they may want to uh, do that, whether it's a puff TV fold. Yes, uh, that's another one that's always safe. What I do is I take a postcard or any type of card and I fold the, uh, the pocket square over it and just stick it in the pocket. It's a perfect TV fold. It goes every time with every suit. So uh, another thing that uh, you can consider is uh, jewelry. For example, uh, I'm wearing a tie pen here. Um, a lot of people are afraid to you know, put a tie pen in, but... To me, it's not an issue. It never has been an issue. A lapel pin, which is a pin like this, can also be used in lapel on your jacket. And uh, finally, you could consider the colors uh, that appeal to you. Of course, blue and gray are the basics. But if you really want to move forward, you can look at brown suits and green suits and uh, mix the accessories according to what blends. There's a rule with mixing colors that seems to work very well. You take the, the color that's not as obvious in an ensemble, in a suit. For example, I'm going to look here at this light gray. It's the recessive color in my suit. Dark gray is the dominant color. And I'm going to use this light gray, for example, for a light gray pocket square or maybe a light, light gray base with a design a motif on the pocket square. So you pull out the recessive colors in your suit 
or your shirt, if you're wearing a striped shirt, and you play that up with your accessories. It's a very nice uh, tip to know when you're combining colors and patterns. Uh, Let's talk about the man who wants to command the room. If I'm meeting a man who wants to command the room, I like it when he wears a well-fitted suit, right? And he's not afraid to have silhouette, basically to show his body, even if his body may not be so fit. You know, a, a man who's not so fit, he's a little rotund, can wear a three-piece suit uh, with the with the vest and, and that waistcoat or vest is going to pull in his silhouette. And I mean, look at Winston Churchill, for example, very uh, prominent man who definitely commanded a room. And I think that a man should not be limited by his body shape um, and say, oh, I will dress in a suit when I lose 50 pounds. I'm like, no, do it now. You know, it's just as powerful if you weigh 250 pounds or if you weigh 180 pounds. A suit can be just as powerful. And now let's address the gentleman who as more wants to be comfortable. I would like to see a guy who would just like take on that sack suit look, you know, have the elbow patches going on, wear the tweed, you know, just take it to the full extent or embrace the Scottish look where he looks like he's going out hunting, you know, don't feel limited. You know, if you want to be discreet, wear the blue and gray suit, be discreet, but be the best discreet guy. Slowly at first, but then moving to the level that you, is something you can feel good about. The lady in the suit is something that's just uh, become more apparent simply because we have better uh, means of communication now. I think that today uh, there's a movement towards androgyny that is more like blurring the lines about what you're supposed to wear or what I'm supposed to wear. And I am very happy to have been uh, introduced to the men's style arena and had the opportunity to try on some of these artisanal clothes and wear a suit. Um, They call them pantsuit for women, right? Because uh, there's a little bit of perceptions that it's too masculine for a woman to wear a suit. She has to wear a pantsuit. So you can call it whatever you want. I was introduced to this look just because I was in the business. But I would consider myself very blessed to have discovered this and not be in the business. Because first of all, you own you own an artisan's work, you know, and there's a lot of history with uh, bespoke suit making and bespoke shoe making that's a pleasure to partake in. The dressmaking arena for women is not really there anymore. It's, it's rare. I would encourage every woman to at least try it. I think that, that you might be surprised at, uh, at the influence you have once you put that suit on. Knowing the story behind the suit, it, it brings meaning to what you're wearing. When you wear a, a Chiffinelli suit from Paris, for example, and you know this Parisian house began in the early 1900s, and you can follow the progression through time of each master tailor and his son and his son after him crafting these suits. It makes you stop and pause 
And if you have the pleasure to go into these houses and watch the the tailor put his hand to the suit, and you understand that each suit can take up to 60 hours to make, stitch by stitch, even um, canvases being stitched inside the suits. Um, the finishing, when you open the suit and you see all the fine finishing inside, the finishing nobody can see but you. And you understand the, the sweat and the blood, even as I've seen shoemakers bleed. You know, you understand the heart that's put into the clothing. It makes you, first of all, want to take care of your clothes. <laughs> because uh, you don't want to disrespect the clothing. And secondly, it just makes you appreciate, even moment by moment, what you're wearing on your body. And it tells a story.